join me in a brief word of prayer. Um, uh, dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for you um, meeting us where we're at today, Lord. Um, thank you for that time of ministry and worship and, uh, and how you encouraged us, Lord. Uh, those of us who are longing for victory, uh, whether it's an area of struggle, uh, that's a personal struggle, whether it's from outside forces and people are feeling pressed on every side, and uh, whatever the nature of the struggle is, Father God, uh, we thank you that you fight for us and that each and every person here will see the victory, uh, the victory that they have in and through you. Um, and Father, we just ask... Uh, you to speak to our hearts, Lord, through your word. Uh, uh, we avail ourselves to you and humble our hearts before you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, <clears throat> I started last week uh, just talking about different attributes of God, and, and uh, last week we uh, talked about uh, the Trinity, uh, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and went through a bunch of scriptures uh, believe it or not, that was not even close to an exhaustive list, but went through a bunch of scriptures that really uh, emphasized there is one God uh, expressed in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and all that. We're going to be, uh, the title of this message is the omni-attributes of God. And so we're going to start with the first of the three omni-attributes is that God is omnipresent. You know, in Christian vernacular or Christian environments, we, we use terms that people who aren't Christians, you know, probably aren't knowledgeable, knowledgeable about, they probably wonder what the heck are they talking about, and, and uh, depending on what denomination you experience, uh, you might get taught different things and there may be confusion over what some of these things mean. I'm a firm believer in letting the Bible speak for itself. Um, you know, not adding to or taking from, but let's allow God, let's see how God has presented himself to us through his word. Right? And so it's, it's important that we have a proper understanding of God as he has expressed himself through his word. Otherwise, we can risk getting out of balance in life. And so, uh, to get to the point, let's get to first one, omnipresent. What does omnipresent mean? It simply means that God is present everywhere. He's everywhere present. That seems like an impossibility because we live in a finite world. There's a limited source of everything. You can't be everywhere at once. You can't be in two places at once. But God isn't limited by those uh, restrictions. God is present everywhere. And we start in Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. I love that entire chapter. I would, I would encourage you to really do a deep dive into Psalm 139 and let God speak to you. But I'll read it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? These questions are almost rhetorical. You know, it's, a, it's an obvious answer here. You know, he's like, I can't, basically he's saying, I can't go anywhere where you're not. Where can I, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And so the psalmist is declaring the ever presence of God. There is nowhere that I can be. I could be at the highest moment in my life. And I may be the only person there. I may have sacrificed a bunch of relationships to get to the pinnacle of my career. And, and, I, and I'm isolated and lonely. I tell you what, on, the, on that pinnacle, you're not there by yourself. You may not know him, but God is present. In your lowest moment, when you feel like you can't 
face another day. When you feel like there is little hope or no hope left in life, when you feel like you have so ruined what the, the, the best opportunity that you might have ever had, and people are rubbing your face in it, even in that lowest moment, you're not alone. On your best day and on your worst day, there's somebody there with you. We don't always acknowledge him, but he's there. And if we look back on some of the most trying moments in our lives, moments that we felt God abandoned us and God wasn't there. Those of us who are believers, moment we felt abandoned or neglected by God. If your experience is like mine, I've, I've looked back with an intention to see where God was as God healed me from some of the wounds of those past events in my life. I can look back in truth. I can look back free from the bondage of that stuff and see where God was. I didn't think he was there because I didn't get what I wanted. But in some of those moments, looking back, if I had, got it, if I had gotten what I wanted, I might have been happy for a moment, but if I had gotten what I wanted, it would have been a terrible thing for me. So God was there saying no or not giving me the answer to my prayer because he knew that getting what I wanted was going to be a bad thing for me. There are moments in my life where God was there and he sustained me. Gave me the strength to bear up under what I had to endure. I know that's not a hallelujah image or a hallelujah word, but, but there's, something in, there's something about seeing God with us and he's carrying us through a difficult time rather than always helping us avoid it. That sometimes we, we need to go through the difficult times and the trials and struggles of life in order to grow and mature and learn certain disciplines in our Christian walk. And God loves us too much to not let us go through that. Just to give a little bit of perspective, but there is nowhere that you can go, the psalmist says, I can't go anywhere where God isn't. Uh, Jeremiah 23 says this, 23 verse 24 says, can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? This is God speaking, declares the Lord. Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord. It's almost rhetorical again. The answer is obvious. He's he's hitting us with it. Can, Can a man hide himself in secret places? Yeah, you can do that from man, but you can't do it from God. And that might scare, that might scare you. It's kind of scary that everything, God knows everything. He knows everywhere I've been. There is no doing anything on the down low that God doesn't know. It's kind of scary. But I look at it, and I hope it encourages you that God knows everything. He knows every place you've been. He knows everything you've done. He knows every uh, impure or bad thought you've had. He knows the whole book. He's read the whole book of you. And yet he still loves you. Are you hearing me? The fear that we have of what people might think of us if they knew the whole story, we don't have that concern with God. He knows it all. There's nothing, there's not even a thought you can have that he doesn't know. You can't hide in secret places from him because it says, I want you to pay attention to that. Do I not fill heaven and earth? His presence is everywhere at once. He fills the earth. He's not, he's not here one day and there another. He's everywhere at once. Proverbs 15.3 says this, 
The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. In Hebrews 4, verse 13, I I wanted to give you a number of scriptures that since they're short, and I I hope to see, I'm going to challenge everybody, those of you who don't, uh, take take notes, bring a pad, you can go old school, bring a pad and pen, or break out your phone or tablet or whatever, bring your notes open, get these scripture references down, right? If uh, you may not like my examples, uh, you may not like the way I phrase things, but at least get the scripture down so that you can go and study these scriptures out and commit to studying them in, in prayer and see what the Lord is speaking to you. Have an attitude of, I'm going to go take these scriptures that Pastor uh, referenced, and I'm going to study these throughout the week. I'm going to read these, and I'm with an attitude of, Lord, you know, what are you saying here? What does this mean? And what do you, and what am I to do with this? You know, what are you saying to me? What am I to do with this? Personalize it. You know, don't just hear the message and then wait next week for the next message and not do anything with it. Take the word and let it, study it out. Get it in your heart and think about how you can apply it in your daily life. Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all, everybody say all, all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so he knows all things, past, present, and future. He knows every hair on our head, those of you who have it. He knows the number of our days. He knows everything you're going to go through today. He knows the end from the beginning. There is nothing that takes God by surprise because God knows he's all-knowing. Which takes us to the second one. Um, The word omniscient is the second omni-attribute of God that I'll share a few scriptures about. Omniscient simply means having knowledge of all things, past, present, and future, all knowing. You know, it actually comes from two Latin words, omnis, which means all, and sentio, which means knowledge. And sentia is the same word that we get our English word science from. It simply means all knowledge, all knowing. And what does it say in Psalm 147, verse 5? It says, great is our God and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. It's off the scale. What God knows, what God understands is beyond measure, beyond human comprehension. This is what God's word reveals of him. 1 John 3, verse 20 says, For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows how much? Everything. He's greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Uh Going back to Psalm 139, the 15th and 16th verse this time, it says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. 
Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Think about that. God knows you. He knew every every one of us when we were being conceived. He knew every one of us in the womb. And even at that early stage of our lives, he already knows every one of the days that are formed for, for, uh, uh, for you. Before you've ever gotten to where you can breathe on your own. Before you, before we exited our mother's womb and began the process of our, of, of our individual maturation from infant to adulthood, from cradle to grave. God knows us intimately before we even know ourselves. That... Ah, that that just wows me. In that same chapter, or Psalm one, in that same Psalm one thirty nine, uh, going back to verse four, it says, "This is the level of His knowledge. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, you know it altogether. You know what I'm going to say even before it, even before I I begin to move my tongue to form what I want to say." Very familiar passage, Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. says, for the word of God is living and active. This is an oft-quoted scripture. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In verse 13, and no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And I know uh, that's a repeat, but his word even discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. We often hear, no one knows what's going on inside my heart. You didn't know my thoughts. And we might be bluffing. You might have been spot on when you told me my, what my intentions were or what my heart attitude was. And I'll deny it to your face, but there's one I can't deny it to. Because he knows the thoughts and intents of my heart. He judges the heart. He sees right through us. We're laid bare before him. He doesn't just, he doesn't just know everything out there. He knows everything in here. He knew everything when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. You know, we do a lot of judging in this day and time. You know, there's a lot of uh, finger pointing and a lot of tit for tat, a lot of fighting over uh, turf and, and uh, disagreements. And we tend to look from our side of whatever that side, of whatever the issue is, at the people on the other side, and we walk in judgment. We all do it. And it humbles me. And, it, it, and I have to go before God and repent when, I, when he convicts me of it. When, when, when he convicts me of acting, thinking, having attitudes toward people that are contradictory to his attitude towards me. 
And I'm just being real to you. And so if we keep our hearts soft towards God and our objective is to please God in all that we do, right, then we're going to have to operate in a manner that pleases him with people that we are in conflict with, with people that we are in disagreement with, with people that we have issues with, with people who have mistreated us. We're going to have to say, okay, ask ourselves the question, what would please the heart of God? My life, you know, there was a time we say, it's my life. I can live it the way I want to. Not if you're a Christian. It is no longer our life. Our life belongs to him. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I am to be a submitted vessel so that Christ can be expressed through me to those who need him. Who those, to those who don't know him, but need to see the genuine article. If Christ loves that person, okay, God, how do I become a willing vessel? Help me yield myself to you so that the love of Christ that is real and tangible for this individual is expressed through me and not hindered by my unyielded attitude. And it may seem like a tangent, but it's not. I'll reel it back in. We, go, we, we do a lot of judging, and we justify it because we're in conflict, because that person, I don't appreciate them, because of how they've done X, Y, and Z. And yet, God knows everything about us. Every time we're sinned, we're in conflict with him. He hates sin. It destroys. It kills. Sin took us from right fellowship with him. Right? And he sent his son in order to pay the penalty for sin so that we might again be able to be in right fellowship with him by grace through faith. But every time we sin, it's not just a, oh, 1 John 1, 9, we take it for granted. Every time we sin, right, that's an offense against God. Every time we sin, right, you know, uh, I won't say we take it for granted, but, you know, it's like wounding the Lord all over again. He, he, he went to the cross for sin, and we're saved, and yet we still continue to sin. And you know what he's doing up there? He is interceding for us 24-7 at the right hand of God. He's still in that attitude that he was in on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them, the very ones who have put me here, the very ones who are the cause of my pain, who are the cause of my shame, and who will ultimately be the cause of my death. I'm praying that you forgive them because they know not what they do. And you know what he commands us to do? Forgive. Like he did. He commanded us to love like he loves. And so if you are in conflict or if you're deeply wounded, I want you to really close your eyes and reflect on that picture. Get an image of, the, of, of Christ on the cross. And we know his suffering, what he went through. We know he was beaten beyond recognition. We know he was spat on. We know they covered his head, beat on him, and said, prophesy who hits you, son of God. We know he was lied on and railroaded into that horrible, horrible fate. We know that. We know he was pierced. We know he was nailed to the cross. But I want you to picture him on that cross. 
His face, unrecognizable. Flesh torn apart by a cat of nine tails. In agony. And his life is ebbing away. Via one of the most gruesome methods of of, uh, execution the world has ever known. And there he is in his shame. There he is in his pain. There he is in his agony. There he is knowing that he's not going to survive this in the natural. And while he's on that cross, he's asking the Father to forgive him because he's already forgiven him. And he even forgave a thief who was being crucified alongside him. A thief who mocked him for hours, finally humbled himself, chastised the other thief and said, we need to stop this. He doesn't deserve this. We do, but he doesn't. Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And without batting an eyelash, he said, truly, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, whatever your situation is, whatever your pain, whatever your frustration, whatever your agony, right, your life is not yours anymore. Your life belongs to Christ. And I want you in your mind to put yourself on that cross. But Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, right? Did he or did he not? He said, take up your cross and follow me. Follow his example. Do what he does. He wants us to love like he loved. Not like we want to, but like he loved. He wants us to forgive, not in a way that's comfortable to us, but like he forgave. And I just got to trust that I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. Uh, uh, somebody needs this today. Why am I doing this? Why am I saying this? this again, I, I want to reiterate the point. God in his omniscience knows every flaw, every sin, every bit of ugliness. Not only that has happened in your life, but that's in your heart. Every foul word that's that's uttered from your mouth, every bad thought, he knows it all. And yet, it has not diminished his love for us in the slightest. I hope that, I hope we're encouraged by that. Because that shows the depth of his love for us. Amen? Amen? If you can know everybody, flaws and all, there's a lot of relationships we enter into and, and all we do for a period of time is we present the best of us. You don't, you don't, get, you don't get the shocking revelation of the rest of us until, <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, you're deep into the relationship, maybe even married before uh, you find certain things out. But that's not the case with God. He knows it all. And his love is so sure. You don't ever have to question, does God love me? You don't ever have to question that. Does God want you? The answer is yes. Amen? That all-knowing God knows you fully and loves you completely. Praise God. All right. Um,
that will bring me to the last of the omnis that we're covering today would be omnipotent. Omnipotent simply means all-powerful or almighty. I'll only share three verses uh, today and uh, uh, wrap it up after those three verses. The first one uh, being Revelations 19, verse 6. And seeing in the heavenlies, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. I loved the King James Version of it, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. The all-powerful one. There is no limit to his power. I love that. He can be anywhere at all times. He can be, he's ever present. So that means it doesn't matter how big of a pit or how deep of a pit I am, I'm not beyond God's reach. He's all powerful, so does it, it doesn't matter how strong the bondage is. It doesn't matter how difficult the circumstances are. He is powerful enough to save, to redeem, to rescue. I hope you're hearing that. But our God, the omnipotent God, reigns. There is no spiritual being that rivals his power. There's certainly no human individual that rivals his power. And the omnipotence of God is displayed in creation. This solar system that we now, that, that we know of, God put all of that, set all of that in, in, uh, um, uh, in space. He set all of that in motion. He created us in his image. He created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. He rules. He reigns. There is no other God beside him. He is the only true and living God. There are pretenders, but there's only one true God. Colossians 1 verse 16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And Easter is not that far in the future for us. You know, uh, I would say God's sovereignty, his omnipotence is is displayed through the cross. His omnipotence, as powerful as death is, death could not hold him. He rules over death. Hell's going to have a lot of inhabitants one day, those who do not receive the salvation that a loving God provided for them. But whatever power it has, it pales in comparison to the power of God. God rules. Satan, we give him a lot of, uh, we give him a lot of props. Our God is the creator. Satan is a created being. He's not on God's level. And he's trying to take as many to hell with him as he can, but he is not a peer of God. God rules and reigns over all. 
including the enemy of our soul. Greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world. Greater is he who is in us than he who rules the world dominion. The God who created all things, the God who created us, chose us, calls us his own, loves us, is omnipotent and ruler of all. I believe the last scripture I'll share today is Hebrews 1, uh, verses 2 and 3. share quite a few today. I'll stop right there. But it says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. But notice that at the exact time of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That is the the omnipotence of our God. Now, the God that upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, he upholds the universe, it says, by the word of his power. He doesn't have to flex. He doesn't even have to use his muscles. He spoke it into being. And it's by his spoken word that it continues in the order that it's in. And I love it. It reminds me of the centurion who asked Jesus to, 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 uh, 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 to, to heal his loved one. And Jesus was going to go. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy that you come under my house. I'm a man with authority. I'm a man under authority. I understand authority, and I know you've got it. I see the authority that you walk in, and all you got to do is speak the word, and I know it shall come to pass. And Jesus marveled at that. He said, I've not seen this kind of faith in all Israel. He, He was like, that's where he wants us to be. That's why he called attention to it, right? And so we had a problem. The the man had a problem. He knew that Jesus was the person to go to to have that problem resolved, and he didn't put all of his uh, 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 faith or belief or whatever in, oh, Jesus has got to come. He's going to have to lay hands on whatever. He's like, no, 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 no. I see you for who you are. I see the authority on you. Just speak the word. The same thing you did when you created the heavens and the earth. The same thing that you did when you spoke creation into existence. If you can do that, if your word can can look up over the darkness and, and the chaos that existed before you brought order to the universe and you can speak and you bring all this life and order into the universe, can he not do the same thing in my circumstance? Can he not do the same thing for you? A God whose word that keeps everything in this realm, in our atmosphere and beyond in order by his word. I think we all can learn from that centurion. Say, Lord, your word is good enough for me. I recognize your power. I recognize your authority. And instead of speaking Doubt, fear, and unbelief, I'm going to speak your word and declare my trust in you. I don't have to see it. I know what your word says. I may not understand it, but you're omniscient. You're all-knowing. You understand it. I don't have to understand everything. I just have to trust the one who does. I don't have to know everything. I have to trust and obey the one who does. I don't have to be strong or mighty or smart enough to be able to do everything. I just got to trust the one whose strength and might that I can walk in. I can be strong in the Lord. 
and in the power of his might. Because he's got, he's got it to spare. Are you hearing me today? I'm going to ask you all to stand. And you wonder, again, I know there are specific issues, you know, that are important to preach from the scriptures and to address that would be very relatable to where to where we're at today in society and some of us personally. And y'all know that I do not shy away from doing that. But I'm led as we get back to the basics, uh, I, I'm, as we get to the basics, one of the basic needs for us as Christians is to know, is to know our God. As he has presented himself, as he has revealed himself to us in the scriptures. And I still, this is inspired you know, in, in, in some degree with the word that, uh, that Lori, Lori Van Devender shared uh, late last year. And she was talking about basic training. That God's going to take us through, through basic training. And, and that is a multifaceted thing. But I think we need to, in basic training, in some ways, we're going to need to be torn down the old ways, the old ways of thinking, the old attitudes, the things that are hindrances to what God wants to do in our lives, we have to allow him to break us down from those things and to build us up in the image of Christ. And that includes to the extent that we give weight to attitudes, perceptions, mentalities, behaviors that may be acceptable in some circles of this society, some some circles of this world. But we know in our hearts it's not pleasing to God. God wants to tear that down and build up the character of Christ in us, Right? And we're going to have to, in this day and time, there's a lot of deception out there. There's a lot of things vying for our hearts and our attention. we got to guard our hearts with all diligence. But in this day and time, in the environment that we live, it's as important as it's ever been that we know our God. The truth of who he is. That we know what the word of God says. And we know not only that he created us, that he created everything, but we need to know God's heart toward us. We need to know our identity in him. We need to know him. We need to know his voice. So we can determine, let me back up. We need to know his word, the truth of it. If we're going to worship him in spirit, and in truth, then we need to know the truth. If we're going to recognize the voice of God and be able to discern that it is in fact the voice of God, then we're going to need to know the word of God as he has revealed it to us. Amen? Not all thing that's spiritual is godly. And we want to we want to be able to stay on the straight and narrow path. We want to please God. We want to honor Him. So that's why I challenge you. When you hear the Word of God preached, you have a responsibility before God. Don't just be satisfied that you're here hearing the Word. All right. You take that Word home with you. Treat it like it's an exam you're having to study for.
And really, in essence, you are because life is going to test you. We don't get through life without tests. We don't get through life without trials, right? And, and, and whether, whether or not we're prepared for those tests will depend in large part on, 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 on the prep work that we've done in God's word, spending time with God in prayer, uh, 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 having a quiet time with the Lord and being diligent in the things of God. So that when the test comes, right, we're ready to stand strong in the Lord. And I want that for every one of you. I'm, my prayer for you is not necessarily that you never get tested. I don't believe that's a scriptural or biblical prayer. Jesus said himself, in this world, you will have troubles. And if you live long enough in this life, you know the truth of that. But be of good cheer, he says, I've overcome the world. He's overcome. And in you, and in you, in him, he makes you more than a conqueror. Through him who loves you. Hallelujah. I'm going to close in prayer. But before I do, I'm just going to open up the the altar here. Just do an altar call. You know, when the word of God goes forth, it needs to be responded to. And I know many of you have already responded during worship. But the first thing that I always like to do is to let you know, anyone here who doesn't know the Lord, the Lord knows you. And if you're here, you're not here by accident. The Lord drew you here. And he drew you here because he wants a relationship with you. And I pray that as the Lord was speaking, and I know the Lord was speaking to us all today, that your heart heard his voice. And that if he's saying, come unto me, then let me give you rest. Come unto me. You are mine. I have chosen you. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus, you don't have a, you don't, and you don't uh, have a relationship with Jesus, you have not yet bowed the knee and professed Christ Jesus as Lord of your life, I want to invite you to do that. To make that most wonderful decision for the one who loved you enough to go through what I've outlined today, the suffering, the agony, the shame. You paid every bit of our sin debt and offers a relationship the salvation of the Lord to us as a gift by grace through faith hallelujah hallelujah and and that uh, that invitation goes for those who may have Straight and wandered away from the Lord and backslidden and just want to rededicate their lives to the Lord today. I want to give you that opportunity. This is not a time, you know, to be concerned about what people might think or feel. We know what matters is what God thinks and feels, and God loves you. He knows it all. 
He knows where you're at. He loves you with a great love that is beyond measure. I won't, yes, and I won't, I won't linger long. Thank you, Lord, for ministering to us, Lord, and for loving us so well. Father God, I thank you for what you've done today, Lord, ministering to us deeply and richly today, Lord, and, and um, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to bless your people, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to be used of you. Everyone in this body, Lord, served you dutifully and wonderfully today, and I bless them in the Lord. They genuinely care about people. And the love of God truly flows through them. And I am so grateful for this church body and the people here that love you so much and, and allow your love to be expressed through them. I thank you for those who are here today, Lord, that may be their first or second time and and um, but they're here for a reason and I know you've touched them Lord continue to draw them according to your goodness draw them by your spirit to you and into your calling and will for their lives To you be the glory, honor, and praise, Lord, for you are truly worthy. Be glorified in us and through us, and may your will be done here on earth, even as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God loves you. God bless you. You guys have a wonderful week.